Here's Jamie Roberts, draws the man, and away goes Lloyd Williams, out of position, the scrum half on the wing, and here's Gareth Davis, he picked it up and he scored! What a try for Wales! Welcome to another episode of the Attacking Scrum Podcast, where Welsh rugby matters. This is it. Rugby World Cup 2019 is just days away and the attacking scrum is here to give you our preview of the tournament. Who is going to get out of the pools? Who are those players to watch? What about dark horses? And of course, who is going to lift the overall prize, the Webb Ellis Trophy? when the final takes place in Yokohama in November. Helping me to try and find the answers to all of those questions is good friend of the show and top journalist, Stefan Thomas. How are you, Steph? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very good, thank you. Uh, on a scale of one to excited, how excited are you about the upcoming Rugby World Cup? Yeah, very excited. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it feels like it's been a quite a long build-up because... You know, once the Lions tour is is out of the way, everybody starts talking about the World Cup, and uh, you know it feels like it's never going to come, but it's finally here. And uh, I think it's um, you know it's probably the most open World Cup I can remember. Um, so I'm certainly looking forward to it. I think that really does add to it, to be honest, because I think particularly going into last last Rugby World Cup, I certainly felt kind of New Zealand had ditched that that hoodoo of of you know kind of being. You know, bottlers is a bit of a is a bit of a harsh word, but you know, for a side as wonderful as they are, they had underachieved at Rugby World Cups in the past. You know, they virtually went into every tournament as favourite, and uh, and prior to 2011, had only won that one. I think going into the last World Cup, it felt like you know, I, I certainly felt all along that that they were going to win it. This one, maybe it's not wide open, but there's certainly more sides capable of winning this than than there has been in recent memory. Yeah, absolutely. They're still the favourites. So, you know, losing a couple of test matches doesn't sort of turn them into a, into a bad side. And, and you are right. I mean, not everybody can win it, but, you know, there are, there are more sides than usual that you, you point a finger at and say, yeah, you know, they could win it, you know, they, if they keep so and so fit, then they're up there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting. And I think, you know, in terms of New Zealand having underachieved in, in World Cups, I suppose I can see your point, but um, despite obviously being the record holders, but you know it's only once every four years that they mm. play proper cup rugby, um, you know, and when I know they like half maybe the British Lions tour, but when when they're playing just their average Test match or rugby championship match, it's it, it, you know that it's a bit different. It's almost routine to them, but when mm. it comes to World Cup, even the All Blacks feel pressure. So. Um, they, you know, if every every team brings their A game, New Zealand will win it. But um, you know, knockout rugby does funny things to teams, isn't it? So uh, I I can certainly see them see them being usurped um, by somebody else. Oh, a brilliant tease. So we'll look forward to we'll look forward to getting uh, getting your opinion on who that might be, Steph. And of course, talking more about New Zealand and all of the other sides uh, that are going to feature in this year's competition. Before we do that, a quick word for our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. Uh, as you say, back at us again for another season. Uh, it's great coffee, so if you're a coffee fan, make sure to head over to socoffeetrades.co.uk to get your hands on some and uh, help get you up for some of those early morning fixtures because there's some uh, some interesting uh, kickoff times in there. Before we get on the way, Steph, actually, what are your thoughts on... Uh, 
I, I suppose it's a bit different for you because you've got to cover it from a prof- professional perspective. But I'm quite a fan of of morning kickoffs. I like being able to get up and uh, get up and, and watch some sport before kind of the the weekend gets underway. Yeah, I, I quite like them as well because, um, well, obviously every job is different. I suppose some people won't be able to watch it and work, mm. but. Well, obviously, I'm a journalist, obviously, and I hope they're going to leave me watch it anyway. But in terms of the weekends, you know, covering um, football games or, or Pro 14 or, or Premiership games, um, you know, obviously you can, you can watch your games in the morning and then, and then go to work and then obviously then or get on with your day if you're not working. So, uh, yeah, I, I quite like the morning kickoffs. You know, less, you know, you don't want to wait. You know, it's a big game. You don't want to wait until the night, do you? Yeah. you know? Stay on your mind all day, you know, just get over and done with it, I suppose. Yeah, I'd love, I've mentioned this, uh, I've mentioned this before, but when that, that England, uh, that England Wales game was on uh, during the last World Cup, it was just such a, such a long build up to get into it. You know, I, I, I like that, you know, the, an afternoon kickoff like we're kind of used to with historic rugby, I, I'm a big fan of, but actually there's, there's something about it being kind of far afield and it almost feels more exotic having it at, um, having it at, at breakfast time. So, oh yeah, I'm quite looking forward to that. You can get, get up and you've got rugby to get stuck into straight away. But let us start with, uh, with pool A. And I've got to be honest, I think this is a really interesting pool and I could see a potential upset happening here. Yeah, I, um, I agree completely. I mean, Obviously, um, you know, when you look at that pool, I mean, Ireland are the overwhelming favourites. Mm. I know they've, they've had a dip in form, but they are the favourites. Um, I think, you know, you'd still back Scotland as, as the second best team in that pool. I think they've made considerable progress over the last four years, but I think you're right. I think, I know Fiji are in Wales and Australia's pool and, and you know, they're always capable of one-off wins, but I think if there is going to be sort of a tier two nation qualifying, I, I have a gut feeling it might be this pool because you look at Samoa and, yeah, okay, they've been much better Samoa teams going to the World Cup. But if you were them, you're thinking, right, if we can beat, um, obviously if we can beat uh, Japan, that, that's a key game for them. If they beat yeah. Japan, then Scotland's a cup final for them, isn't it? And, yeah, you know, Scotland would, you know, should win on paper and, and, and given the, their preparation and, and what not. It's going to be far superior, obviously, to Samoa's. But Samoa will be thinking, this is our cup final, you know, we can really ruffle them physically. You know, we have got some, some potential match winners in, in our squad. So, you know, you're looking at Samoa and you think, yeah, they, yeah, you know, they, they could do it. And, and obviously they won't have to beat Ireland to qualify. And then, you know, you look at Japan and you think, right, they're not quite the team that beat South Africa, um, four years ago. You know, there's a difference in personnel. But Jamie Joseph is probably, um, you know, is, is a top-end coach. So they've got a coach in there. And, and if you look at football World Cups, you know, you go, look, 2002 World Cup mm-hmm. in Japan and South Korea. Um, South Korea, obviously, on paper, let's be honest, not a very good team. But they make the semi-finals. And it's just, you see, as I said, you see in football all the time, where, not all the time, but quite often, that the horse nation grows an extra arm and a leg. And, um, you know, Japan, obviously, they, they absolutely ruined Samoa or in their pool four years ago. Yeah. Uh, would have qualified if, uh, you know, the, the main reason Scotland beat them was because Japan only had a couple of days turned around. Two, disgrace. three days, four day turnaround after the, the South Africa game, wasn't it? Absolutely disgraceful. It was World yeah. Rugby saying, oh, you know, they're not going to qualify, are they? Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
we'd fit them in like that if they had, had the proper preparation. I think they'd have qualified. So, and I watched them in the Pacific Nations Cup, and uh, they, you know, it's hard to judge because the standard isn't as high, but they look really impressive. And uh, I know they got tanked by South Africa, who uh, I think are going to go really far in the mm. World Cup. No shame in that. But I just think, yeah, if there is going to be an upset, it'll be in this pool. You know, I'd still back Scotland to qualify, but. You know, I think they, the difficulty for Scotland, as I said, is both Samoa and Japan will view them as their cup final. Yeah. So um, they, those teams will play above themselves against Scotland. So Scotland will probably have to play better to beat Japan and Samoa than Ireland do. And it's yeah. not out of the question of Scotland beat Ireland and lose to one of the other two. It's not, so, and um, I think that's what makes it really, exciting. really interesting. It's... Um, there's there's a number of things in here. I just want to go back to your point about the host nation, which I think is really, really key, because for me, you see it across, you're quite right to point out different sports and the effect that it can have. And I think it can it can go one of two ways. And you have the like you say, the, the South Korea 2002 in the Football World Cup. You know, you had things like in the, the cricket over the over the summer and, you know, kind of England going that ex, yeah, get those extra that extra bit of motivation and, and finding form at the right time with, with home support. And, you know, you see it kind of making, having such a huge positive effect there. The flip side is sometimes when the pressure and the expectation is too big, you know, look at Brazil in the, the Football World Cup in 2014, England, I would argue, in the 2015 Rugby World Cup. But for me, I can really see Japan getting a massive boost out of playing at home. Like you say, they come into it in good form and, you know, they're, they're no mugs and have a, a fantastic coach. Maybe just, I guess, a little bit of that smattering of of out and out class that, you know, the the one or two world class players you would like to like to see in there that I think can sometimes drag drag aside to that next level is perhaps what they're missing. But it, it is absolutely fascinating. And I think I think they're going to be a really interesting side to watch. Well, Michael Leitra staff for quite a lot of Geo Nations, I think, mm. at least being a 23 uh, world class overused term, a bit of a stretch, but he's he's an outstanding player. And uh, whether you agree with this or not, there, there are a lot of um, Islanders in in the squad. I mean, you know, and, and South Africans. So obviously, you know, Japan traditionally have been a small team, so that that helps them yeah. physically, doesn't it? Um, and obviously, they're really skilled. Well, they've done quite well. Eddie Jones did well, as they've said. All right, we're not we're not the we're never going to be able to bully sides or anything. We're never going to be able to win an arm wrestle. We get stuff people down that route, but we can be more skillful than other teams. We can just overcompensate almost and, and try and play this sort of same style rugby. And what was impressive in the last World Cup was they scored five tries off driving lineups. Mm. You know, against South Africa. They, I think I, I actually watched some highlights that game earlier. Um, and, and they, South Africa, obviously have the best driving lineups in the world, or as I've done. It's law, rugby law, really, isn't it? They're the, they're the best. But they, they, they absolutely, you know, bashed them over their own line to just, I think it was Leach scored off it in the first half. And the scrum was really good in last World Cup as well. So if they got a set piece like that, it doesn't have to be dominant, but at least parity, then they've got a chance. And as I said, you know, Samoa won't be easy for them, but, if they beat, they don't forget about Ireland, right? They don't even have to worry about Ireland. If they beat Samoa and um, uh, Scotland, then they'll qualify this time. So those those will be the two games for them. And yes, they're still underdogs, but it's not out of the question. No, absolutely. So that's that's. I think there's there's some cracking games in there to watch. What then about 
Scotland. I mean, as you say, they've made they've made kind of great progress under Gregor Townsend, played some amazing rugby at times. However, the bulk of that has been at Murrayfield and they have looked a different side <laughs> away from home. Perhaps, well, I guess, with the, the noticeable exception of that, that second half against, uh, against England at Twickenham. But is that potentially a worry for, for Scotland, the fact that so much of their good form has come at Murrayfield? Yeah, it is. Um, there's no doubt, no doubt about that, but it's the same for everyone else, apart from Japan, isn't it? Everybody's away from home. But I think... Um, you know, I, I'm sick and tired of hearing Scotland talk themselves up and not sort of walk the walk. Mm. Um, I think in the past they've been pretty delusional when they've talked themselves up. They just haven't had the players. Um, but I think this time, I think they, there has been genuine progress over the last four years. Um, they remind me a bit of um, Wales, like 2003, 2004, leading up to when they won the Grand Slam. Yeah, They're like the bridesmaids, aren't they? They're, you know, five years ago, so they were useless. And they, but no, you know, apologies for any Scottish fans listening. Don't mean to offend, but they were, weren't they? Um, well, yeah, but, I think, I, yeah, I definitely agree but, with that. But but no, they are they are a very decent outfit. You know, like like Wales back then, they're, they're a bit like the bridesmaids. They can really push the top sides. Um, they they just fall short in a lot of big games. If you look at the Northern Hemisphere pecking order on their day, if they're at their best. And the other, and the three main Northern Hemisphere teams, obviously England, Wales, and Ireland, if they're below, below their best and Scotland at their best, they can beat them. Whereas in the past, Wales, for example, could afford to be pretty poor and still beat them comfortably. You know, Scott, if you play poorly against Scotland, they'll beat you. Mm. Um, so that, that's progress in itself. And I think they got some real, you know, Vern Carter did a fantastic job. And I think Townsend has, has started to take them, take them on again. You know, you look at, um, behind the scrum, you look at players like Darcy Graham, um, obviously Finn Russell is the obvious one, um, and obviously Stuart Hogg. You know, there's some real game breakers behind the scrum. Um, you know, their the pack is developing. I, I think Blair Thompson could be a big player for them. I think in this World Cup, um, I think he's he's just he's got a, a lovely sort of balance for his game. He's a strong ball carrier, he's very versatile, really hard player. Does a nitty gritty. Just needs to stay fit. But I think. When you look at that first game against Ireland, yes, Scotland could beat them, but what Scotland lack, they are carriers in their mm. pack. They don't quite have the physicality to, not a bad pack, but when it comes up against the better teams, they're going to get strangled, and that's a problem they got. And also, um, it's interesting what the conditions will be like, because it's going to be really warm. Um, and then you think, okay, maybe the weather will suit them. But I was talking to John Mulverhill, the Cardiff Blues coach, who coached in Japan for a number of years, and he yep. said um, conditions aren't going to be favouring teams that play rugby. You know, it, it's it's going to be um, really humid, and it's ball's going to be a bit like a bar of soap. Mm. Um, so you know, it, it's very difficult. And I think the size of the best side of the best defence and the best set piece and best kicking game will win this tournament. I'm not sure. You know, Scotland are not contenders to win because they can't win three big Test matches in a row. But I think they. They just need to get out to their pool, and they are vulnerable in the pool because, as we said, Japan and, and Samoa will target them. But for Scotland to really have made progress, they have to qualify for the quarterfinals. I'm going to back them to do that, but um, I can't really see them going further than that, if I'm being honest. Yeah, we'll have a look at those potential routes a little bit later on as well. Let's talk about Ireland while we're still in this pool. As you say, and we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, it really felt like they they hit kind of top form and, and peaked last autumn recovered their form somewhat 
I think, as we also mentioned that time, you don't become a bad side overnight. How do you rate their chances? You know, first and foremost, is it, you know, they, do they have to be targeting top in that pool? I think so. I think Scotland can beat them. I back Ireland because, as I said, the packs are a lot stronger. But I think, um, you know, if you rewind the clock 12 months, um, or just under 12 months, you know, they, they, they won a Grand Slam test series mm. in Australia, beating the All Blacks quite comfortably, to be honest. Um, and, you know, obviously over the last four years, they've beaten them twice and they came, well, should have beaten them three times, really. They came close at home, didn't they? But, um, on one occasion. Um, but, um, obviously they had this remarkable dip in form. I don't think Ireland have the strength and depth of England, South Africa and New Zealand. I think they're similar to Wales in, in that sense. And they've got to really have their best players in the park. If Murray and Sexton go down, it's put in for them, really. Uh, they might crawl into the quarterfinals. They won't go further. But in terms of their sort of dip in form, forget the warm-up games. They're a phony or They come for nothing. Mm. We learned nothing from them. But I think when you, when you look at Ireland's dip in form, you could argue that it's come at the right time because people are starting to rule Ireland out. You know, they've had a lot of criticism, so that's going to have hurt them a little bit, so they're going to be extra motivated. And if you're Joe Smith and Andy Farrell, you're just going to say to them, look, look, lads, you know, over the last two years, you've won a Grand Slam, you've beaten every single team in the world over the last four years, you've beaten South Africa three times, you've beaten Australia with ease at times, and you've beaten the All Blacks twice, you know, and... That, that shows that Ireland obviously can beat any side when they're on their game. But the key for them is a lot of their best players, sex and especially, lost form. And it's about getting those key players into form. It's, it's like stating the obvious, but you know, with New Zealand, if key players lose form, they drop them. And then somebody as good, if not better, comes in. Ireland don't have that luxury. So that's the key for them. If they've got their best players firing, then they're contenders to win the World Cup. And the problem they got is... You know, they're likely to face um, New Zealand and South Africa before, you know, they, they stand in their way of making the final. And on current form, you can't see them beaten either, but they are proven over the last two, year, two well, last two, four years that they can, they can beat both those sides. So, um, I, I, you know, you rule Ireland up to your peril, I think. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I've said this a number of times before, but you, you mentioned the halfbacks, but Sexton in particular, I think that so much, so much runs through him that I think, and I, you know, I think that their best results have come when, when he has been there, his absolute top form. And I think he, he's like the, he's the, he's the brain of that side. He's the kind of almost the, the computer of it. Everything runs through him. And I, I don't think, I don't think the, the rest clicks if he's not, um, if he's not at his best form. So a lot will depend on him. And obviously has a, a lot of well documented injury concerns from, you know, from kind of throughout his career. So I think a, an awful lot is going to hinge on Sexton. But, yeah. uh, but yeah, you're, you're right. You don't want to be, you, you don't want to be ruling Ireland out. I suppose the, the other thing is, you know, they, they do have a very poor record in, um, in World Cups. Could yeah. potentially be, you know, a motivating factor for them. But yeah, history, history doesn't, doesn't show great showings at World Cups. But that, you know, that, that duck has to go at some point. In terms of the fly art position, you're absolutely right about Sexton because Jack Carty's not, not a top international class player, really, is he? Let's be honest. He's not in Sexton's class. Joey Carberry is a very good international player. But is he an international class outside half? 
opportunities open that, isn't you know? Yeah, I, I think he, you know, I think the thing with Carberry there is he's got he's got time on his side, hasn't he? You know, yeah, but we haven't got time though, is he? Because we're, no, we're not, on, yeah. talking about the World Cup, don't we? True. And like, um, I'm not saying he won't in time, but mm. you look at him, he's, he reminds me of James Hook in a way. You know, he's a very talented player, can make things happen, but. In those, would you be if you were an Irish fan? Would you be confident with Carberry starting a World Cup quarter final against South Africa and New Zealand? Really, not right now. I don't think. Yeah, like exactly. I say, I, I think anyone other than Sexton in his top form. Yeah, that's that, that is that it all hinges. Whereas actually, even you know, as crucial a player as as Murray is to them, I wouldn't feel as you know, I wouldn't feel yeah. as agreed if Luke McGrath was playing there. You know, yeah. I, I think there is. There is that bit, that bit more cover at, at, uh, at scrum half than than there is an outside half. So yeah, it, it, it all hinges on him and his fitness and his form for me. Yeah, and as we said, as I said earlier, you know, uh, I'm not saying they haven't got depth. They have got depth. They haven't got the depth of the the, the top nations of this. So um, that's the key for them: keeping their best players fit, like Wales, really. Keeping if they keep their best players fit, they've got a chance of winning it. If Saxon goes down. It's, uh, it's not looking good, is it? All right. I mean, obviously, we we haven't mentioned Russia too much. I think it's safe to assume that that they're likely to be the the also rans in this pool, and it's you know it, it's a pretty decent performance to to even make it to the World Cup. Um, seeing as seeing as we're short on short on time, um, let's let's get your prediction for this pool, Steph. Who progresses out of it? Ireland and. Scotland. I'm going Ireland and Japan. I can see the upset happening. Let's just uh, let us move oh. on to Pool B now. Um, well, uh, obviously we'll we'll kind of revisit the uh, the the, the quarterfinals and stuff as we, as we go through. Moving on to Pool B, this looks a lot more straightforward for me. New Zealand, South Africa, Namibia, Italy, and Canada. Really, you know, I think I think it's going to be a really interesting ding dong between New Zealand and South Africa. And uh, and that's the opening weekend as well, which is going to be, you know, a great way for uh, a great way for the 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 tournament to really get underway. But either way, I, you know, those two teams, I I can't see anyone getting close to to stopping them. No, I mean obviously Italy beat South Africa a couple of years back, yeah. but they were in uh, such a mess then, <laughs> you know. And uh, honestly, could see uh, Razi Rasmus, uh, one of the best coaches in the world, has transformed them, and uh, they are. Um, they again, they are back to the level they were after, at least close to it when they won in in 2007. Um, you know, I I think I would go as far as to say New Zealand are, are very wary of South Africa. Um, I think South Africa have the beating of New Zealand, if I'm being honest with you. Mm. And I think that that as you're, you're right, that that will really kick off the World Cup. Um, I know obviously Japan and Russia kick it off, but it's in, a hell raiser, isn't it? Yeah, um, but I think um, you know. The, I don't want to say it doesn't matter who wins, but, you know, because obviously, you know, you, you want to, you know, if you beat South Africa, New Zealand beat South Africa, or South Africa beat the All Blacks, going to have given such momentum. It'd be hard to stop, but realistically, in terms of who wins the World Cup, it, mm. it doesn't really matter how much who wins that game. I know it sounds a daft thing to say, but both teams are qualifying with ease, aren't they, really? Yeah, they are. They are. I, I just wonder, like you say, when it comes to when it comes to knockout rugby, you know you said that it has been one of very few, you know, a, a potential Achilles heel for New Zealand in, in previous tournaments. I do just wonder that if South Africa were to get a win over them in the pool stages, 
it would really benefit South Africa, you know, if they were to meet again later on in later on in the tournament. Yes. Well, um, they'd, they'd meet them in the final. Wouldn't yeah, they? yeah. So, um, you know, and that, and that isn't a, isn't an unthinkable scenario. I think South Africa, yeah, any win over New Zealand, I think it does works wonders for for your confidence, but particularly a side like South Africa who. You yeah. know, they're, they're very much like, like the Australias of this world and to a certain extent like England. When, if things do start to click at the right time, there's never a question of belief. You know, whereas I think sides like Wales and sides like Ireland, yeah. you know, there is that nagging bit where they, they've got to get over that, that hurdle. And even to a certain extent, New Zealand sometimes coping with the, coping with the pressure and certainly going back prior to 2011. You know, that, that had been the case, but, but South Africa, when they're in a, when they're in a good state of mind, uh, they can, you know, they, they just have that, that steely determined, determinus about them. And, and I can see them going really, really far in this tournament. Yeah. Same yeah that's the only advantage I can see of, of, you know, the winner of that game. South Africa have depth in every position, but also that. And if Paul Love goes down, they, they won't win it because, um, Elton Yankees is a really talented player, but, he bottles it, you know. Mm. In, the, in the big games, he, he's he's a bottler. Um, people again, you know, sure some viewers are thinking I'm a bit rude saying that, but it's true. The evidence is there. Um, Paul is the key player for them. He's he's a world class player and probably doesn't get recognition he deserves really. Um, I, I I think he's in the top three tens in the world, knocking on the door to mm. arguably be the best, to be honest. And I think he. As I said, if he goes down, I, I, I don't really see him winning it, to be honest. So it's, they've got depth everywhere, bar, bar out of Um, and I think he's a key player. And I think South Africa, they can, there's not a, the only team that can match them physically is England. Mm. Um, New Zealand are a better all-round team than them, I think, in terms of like the backs at a different level. Um, but up front, on a half-back is an area where South Africa, I think, have New Zealand. They have, you know, last few times they've played them, they've, they've really caused some problems. Obviously, they won in Wellington. Um, they should have won in Pretoria as well. And obviously, they drew uh, in Wellington last time out. So, um, the record against New Zealand is pretty decent. Um, so, my money is on New Zealand winning this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but South Africa beating them in a World Cup final. Interesting. I was going to wait till the end, but uh, <laughs> I was going to say enough. <laughs> yeah, no, I it is fascinating the fact that they're going to they're going to meet in the pool stages and obviously when the the kind of the seedings were done for this uh South Africa were a very different <laughs> outfit and and when the you know when the when the balls came out I, I don't think New Zealand would have necessarily been too worried about that South African side in there but as you say under Razi Erasmus they've they've moved on a, a hell of a great a hell of a deal and yeah they just they just look like such a determined outfit but yeah uh-huh. as you say yeah it's uh an awful lot of it is going to come down to Pollard. I'm not sure if we'll come into this topic later on, but one of the players to watch in this tournament for me is Peter Steph Dutoit. Yeah. I think he's an unbelievable athlete. He's a phenomenal, you know, he's so physical, really dynamic ball carrier, great line of all, great leader. I think he's going to establish himself as one of the best players in the world. Um, if most rugby fans know already, but I think he's really going to, Going to grab this World Cup by the scruff of the neck. I think he, he could be one of the players of the tournament, if, if not a player of the tournament, uh, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's a great shout. I, and do you know what? I was thinking exactly the same thing with Pollard, to be honest. As, yeah. as you were saying right at the top of the, you know, kind of right at the top of that preview, it's so much hinges on him and perhaps he doesn't get the recognition for being, you know, for being in that kind of calibre of, of 10. But if, if he achieves 
any any percentage of his any high percentage of his potential, then he is going to be recognised in that in that oh. same breath, and and oh. that that I think is, is going to be so so pivotal to South Africa's chances. In my my opinion, he's been the best South Africa in the world over the past twelve months. Back and Farrell and Beth, well, Barra's been playing full back, so mm. you can't really count him. Barra is a different level of talent to everybody else. So it's, you know, obvious, you know, and as far as their sex has been able to form, I think Paul has been the best because he, he's just, he's got no weaknesses in his game. Um, you know, his goal, he's a world-class goal kicker. Um, he's a great tactician. He's a great running 10. Um, you know, he's, he's got a, a set of fields and he's got pace. He's got a peripheral vision, brings his backs into the game and he's so physical as well. He's, you know, he's a big boy, isn't he? You know, defensively, he doesn't yeah. miss many tackles. And on a, on a number of occasions, if, especially in the rugby championship, you know, South Africa, obviously, I think they play a bit more rugby under Erasmus, but their, um, you know, their strength is obviously still their pack. And a few times, you know, you know, they, they go for one-up runners, you know, bashing and bullying teams over the game. And a couple of times, um, they've run out of uh, one-up forwards to do their thing. And Paul has said, hang on, this is working. You know, they may be on the floor, Estabeth, Mustard, etc. Maybe out the way, but that's okay. I'll just bash, bash these three back row players out the way and score. Mm-hmm. And a few times he's taken a crash ball himself and just, you know, knocked over like top international class back rowers and just smashed them out of his, out of the way with ease. He's just, he's freakishly strong as well. I, I think he's a, he's a magnificent player to be honest. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't really, you know, when they say he was the best 10 in the world, they all are Barrett, Sex, Sex and O'Farrell. But over the last 12 months, controversial, I think Paul has been the best and uh, he's, he's key uh, for South Africa's hope system. Absolutely. Let's stick with outside half while we're talking about New Zealand as well. Um, as you mentioned there, Bowden Barrett has been playing, yeah, has been has been playing a fair amount of uh, of rugby at, at full-back. I think I think it's a really interesting dynamic that uh, that New Zealand have got and the choices that they've got at outside half. Yeah, it is. Uh, Barrett is um, Barrett and and um, sorry, uh, Moanga. Uh, you know, uh, well, they're egregiously gifted on it. Barrett is um, probably the best rugby player in the world. Mm. Um, probably on the power, Ben Smith is the best rugby player in the world. Now that Isafalau isn't um, isn't available for Australia, so. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think um, it was hard to judge on on the success or otherwise of Mwanga and Barrett. I, I personally thought he was quite successful because mm. um, I think uh, the reason I say it was hard to judge was apart from the last game, I think uh, New Zealand struggled physically. Um, I think um, the Lions, British and Irish Lions, showed in terms of and they showed away. They showed that there were creaks, that they were creaking in the front five. That there was a, an Achilles heel there, and other sides have, have taken advantage of that. South Africa have, um, England should have beaten them in the autumn. You know, Ireland did as well. They did a job on them up front, and Argentina, you know, you know, did as well really in 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 um, in, um, in the rugby championship. And in that first game, I know against Australia and Perth, I know that um, Scott Barrett were red carded. I probably added twenty points onto the scoreboard, but Australia were really on top physically and it wasn't until the second Bledslow game where they obviously retained it. Patrick Tweepelot, who was immense in that game, that 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 you know they made they drop they were ruthless, they dropped players and they brought form players in. And um, you know, New Zealand obviously got back to their best physically. So but for a lot of the games, Barrett and Mwanga were on the back foot. Um, you know, they weren't really able to show 
you know, it doesn't matter how good a player you are in terms of, you know, in, in terms of a back, you can never fully show your wares on the back foot, you know, and, and, and it doesn't happen often, but the last 12 months or so, you see them have struggled physically in the front five. I think they, they addressed that against Australia. Obviously, Owen Franks paid the price. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of senior see, players have been senior players for a number of years. You know, Hanson was ruthless and he's brought in some key players. People like Nepal, Laulala, you know, he's a lot more destructive scrummager than Owen Franks, probably. Um, you know, and, and obviously he's, he's made the, the call to, um, Cardi Ritalik until the quarterfinals when he'll be fit. So that's a key for New Zealand. If, if New Zealand, uh, as long as they're not bullied in the front five, then they'd probably win the World Cup, wouldn't they? But I think there are two teams that can, that can bully them and that's England and South Africa. So that's a key for them. But in terms of Barrett and Moanga, I think, uh, that experiment actually did work, in my opinion. All right, quick word for the for the other three teams in the in the pool: Namibia, Italy, and Canada. Uh, I mean, I feel like there's for a side like Canada, you know, to be able to take the scalp of someone like Italy would be a massive would be a massive result. Yeah. For them. they've got no chance of getting out of the group. But yeah. something like that on the big stage would be a really big result, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a World Cup within a World Cup, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Um, and, and what you got to remember is. Um, Whoever finishes third in the pool automatically qualifies for the next World Cup. So, so that, I'm sorry, if Canada were to finish third, then they don't have to qualify. So then they can put all their a lot more effort into maybe building towards the next World Cup. You know, they 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 I think they qualify through the back door, didn't they? Um, through um, you know, they they had pooling qualification and uh, yeah. there's only late on they qualified. So if they could come third in the pool, then um. You know, obviously that makes a big difference for preparation. You know, they've obviously got uh, experienced coaching team, Kingsley, Jones, Griff Reese, most of them are Welsh. Um, but you look at the squad and, you know, Tyler Ardron's a very good player. A lot of your viewers will remember from the Sandy Ospreys as starting player for the Chiefs in New Zealand and Super Rugby. has been really good for them. Hustler's a very good player. You know, ex-Ospreys plays in the MLR now in, in America. Um, but apart from DTH yeah. trying to move as well as a quality finisher, but yeah, they, there's not really many star players there. I think if you went back to the 90s, they, you know, they nearly beat New Zealand in, um, the 91 World Cup and in, and in 95, they nearly beat South Africa, went on to win it. So they, they're not as strong as they've been in the past, but yeah, I think finishing third would be a big target for them. Namibia, you know, they're not great, are they? Um, yeah. Bothmouth, um, the, Harlequin's back row, obviously he's retired from international rugby, he's their best player. You know, they're, they're, they're going to be can and fodder, unfortunately, for them. But I think Italy, you know, if they were to finish below Canada, again, you're questioning what they're doing in the Six Nations. So, you know, you would expect Italy having, I know they perform poorly in the Six Nations, but they, they are a Six Nations team. Yeah. So thought that they, they'd finish third. Otherwise, the serious questions asked. Yeah. And I think they need to, you know, they need to put those to bed. And for, for Italy, I think they need to be competitive against the big two, you know, at least yeah. for 60 minutes and they have to finish third. And that would probably represent a half decent tournament but for them. I think, I think it's disappointing in a way that New Zealand and South Africa are in the same pool because if there was somebody else, you know, even, even though they're a very good side, even a Wales or an Ireland, you know, mm. against Italy would have a, a glimmer of hope, wouldn't they? You know, they, they'd be, oh, you know, a star cup final, you know, we, they could potentially win, um, even if they had Scotland or someone like that. But there's no hope, is there? That, that's, 
a disappointment of this pool because there's no chance of somebody else going through. At least if Italy were pooled with, you know, as I said, England, not maybe not England, but Wales or Ireland, yeah. there'd, there'd be a chance, even even if it was slim. But there's no chance, and pools a bit underwhelming because of that, in my opinion. It is, uh, but there are two more exciting pools to have a look at, and we'll be looking at those right away after this very very quick break. Right, Pool C then, Steph. This one, I, I think it's a pretty interesting pool. I've got to be honest. England, France, Tonga, USA and Argentina. Uh, England will definitely go into this pool favourites. But outside of that, I, I think that I can see, a, you know, all, all manner of interesting games, uh, you know, kind of away from that. And even then, you know, I don't think it's, it's not going to be a cakewalk for England. I think it's a cracking pool. It really is. Um, yeah, um, England are the... Serious contenders to win the World Cup, you know, don't, don't need to tell your listeners that. Um, they're the strong favourites to get out to this pool. I think England have all the attributes, a physical, with South Africa, probably on a par with them as the most physical team in the world. They've got, you know, great kicking game, great set of half-backs. they got real firepower out wide and what they haven't had, but they, sorry, what they've got now, which they haven't had in the past, they really lacked as out-and-out open sides. Tom Curry is, you know, Sam Warburton said today in the rugby paper, um, you know, is, would be one of the best players in the competition. And I think he's going to have a huge competition. But yeah, you know, there is, there is, um, even though you'd expect England to win the pool, that there is a chance of, a, of an upset in this pool. Um, Argentina, their, their record recently in terms of results has been quite shocking. Mm. But we know that Argentina, one of these teams, they tend to sort of, experiment throughout the, the four-year cycle so that they're at the strongest at the World Cup. They put everything into World Cups and they tend to turn up for World Cups. So they're going to be really dangerous. You know, they, they nearly beat New Zealand recently at the end of the day. Um, France as well, been quite shocking for most of the four years. But I'm beginning to see, you know, they've they brought through a lot of real quality players because they're under-20s they who won the last two junior world championships. They, they, I, I, I think... Um, without going off on a tangent, I think if they keep this French team together and have a quality coaching team, I think they could be serious contenders to win the World Cup on their own patch in, in 2023. Um, but yeah, the key game in that pool, um, even though England could, could, you know, they could potentially lose, I think they'll win every game. The key game, the cup final, quarter-final playoff is um, Argentina against France. Tonga are an absolute shambles at the moment. Uh, can't see them doing anything. But I think France and Argentina is going to be one of the games of of, of the pool stage of the World Cup, and uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, I am absolutely. I I think it's a really interesting one. I get what you're saying about France, and I think in four years' time, I think it's going to be a different scenario to what <laughs> it is now. I, I think they've ended up with a stopgap coach in Jacques Brunel, yeah. someone who is a safe pair of hands. You know, he's vastly experienced. This was not the plan four years ago. It was definitely not the plan for him to be head coach here. And, and I think it shows a bit. They've got undoubted talent within the squad. Yeah. But my, my concern, and it's a little bit of a cliche, but I think, you know, the, the old historic cliche about France where they're unpredictable. I think now the, the, the cliche is that I'm afraid they're not fit enough at the, at the absolute yeah. top level. And yeah. I think they, they trail off at the latter end of games. And I think that's gonna that's gonna show in uh, in yeah. the World Cup, and I think that's that's where Argentina have the advantage because they've been you know we talked about the 
the Northern Hemisphere and, and the phony war we've had up here, while Argentina's results have not been great, they've been battle-hardened by the Rugby Championship, not just in the previous coming weeks, but over the past four years. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think you're absolutely hit the nail on the head in terms of their fitness. I mean, I, I've my job of been lucky enough to speak to a lot of professional players and a lot, a lot of them have told me off the record that the thickness in France is pretty shocking <laughs> in comparison yeah. to what it is in the UK and obviously the Southern Hemisphere. Um, and that's why I actually think that I'm not sure how, how effective Sean Edwards will actually be there after the World Cup. I know I'm going off on tangent, but for his defensive system to work properly, you have to have an insanely fit team and obviously the clubs will never cease control of their players like they do in, in Wales and Ireland, mm. for example. But in terms of this World Cup, I think they, they're more than capable of making a knockout stages. And the reason I'm actually going to tip them to qualify ahead of Argentina is because traditionally, Argentina's strength is a scrum. Mm-hmm. But Argentina's scrum is the worst out of all the Tier 1 nations. It is shocking. Mm-hmm. And it's been shocking since the to retired. Um, they play good rugby. Sometimes Sanchez at 10 overplays a little bit. I think he's going to be key for them. They, they got a good pack on the whole, but their scrum is really poor, whereas France's is strong. And I think there are a lot of players in the France team that are really hitting form. I really like Peno. Um, Entomac, obviously, is a quality player. You know, Fafan <laughs> on his day is a great player. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I think it'd be tight. I'm, I'm going to back France to qualify alongside England. I just like the sound of Peno next to Entomac. It, it just reminds me of watching yeah. rugby in the 90s. And they're, they're okay. two, uh, two exciting fathers to watch as well. But you're right. They're, they're really, really exciting talents. And I think with a longer lead time, I think France, uh, you know, will, will be a side to watch. I'm, I'm just going to go for Argentina edging it. Um, again, you know, their, their preparation over, over the four years has not been ideal, you know, and we, we saw them, you know, bring pretty, comfortably outplayed by a you know by an experimental Wales team uh, just over a year ago and on their own patch as well now I think subsequently after then you've had the the kind of the Jaguares um, having such a fantastic season and you've also you know because you've got so many of them playing together on a regular basis I do think that will help Um, so that that's part of the reason I I think I'm just going to edge them over France but uh, yeah really interesting pool here yeah, it's, it's a it's a fifty fifty game, isn't it? Uh, it could go either way, but I, I just I don't know. I just get feeling I got the France might do it, but um, yeah, um, it, it is a toss of a coin game, I think. And you know, we never know England could slip up because uh, you know I've said that they have all the tools necessary to win the World Cup, but um, history does show us that, again they are bottlers in in big games. So. Uh, but I, I assume if they do bottle, it'll probably be in the knockout stages. But um, yeah, yeah, England, France for me. Yeah, let's let's talk about England then while we're while we're looking at Pool C. Uh, you know, their their pack looks like they've found a really really strong pack, and I think particularly the back row for me is, you know, if they can keep Billy Vanapola fit, um, they they've got some fantastic options in that back row and some genuine sevens which they've not had for a while. The only potential weakness I could see is I'm still unsure at, at half back whether they're they're at the absolute. Top level. Yeah. Um, be keen to get your thoughts on on the pack and the halfback stuff. Well, I, th- I think um, Ben Youngs and Farrell is um, is is a top class combination. I don't think there's much doubt about that. I don't think there's much behind Ben Youngs, mind. Mm. Um, I think Willie Hines is a good player, but whether he's good enough for this level, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, I think scrum half's been not a problem position, but it's been a position where they're not quite as strong as as elsewhere. Um, 
at ten, uh, I am um, I am a big fan Faro. Mm. Um, uh, uh, controversial, but I prefer Ford as a ten to Cipriani. So um, that's going to get people <laughs> bit the news, I suppose. But uh, I, I I think, as I've said, I think England physically are on a par with South Africa as the most physical team in the world. I think they've got a phenomenal scrum. I think the, the set pieces insanely good. Mm. They've got so many... Billy Vanipole is huge for them. You know, they've got a lot of good eights. You know, you've got your Nathan... I know he's not in the squad, but you've got your Nathan Hughes. You've got people like that who are really good eights. But Vanipole is just a different level. He is a, 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 an absolute colossus. He reminds me a bit of Scott Connell. Yeah. You know, with pomp. You know, he's a sort of... Not that England scrum goes backwards very often, but he's a sort of eight. They could pick up the ball from the base of the scrum and with five defenders in front of him and just carry them on his shoulders with the ease and make like, you know, serious yards. They're just a different team with him playing and if he, he's just crucial to them. Uh, but I think you are right. I think obviously the halfbacks are, you know, they need to play well or forget about it, but that's the same for any team. Um, they got real strike, run, strike runners out wide as well. Anthony Watson being back is big mm. for them. I have question marks of a daily at full-back. Yep. Um, I think he's a magnificent player that needs to be in the team, but I think he is suspect under the high ball. Uh, and defensively, he's not weak, but he's not as strong as other players. Um, I, I really want to see Cog and Asiga uh, uh, let loose. Well, I say I want to. You know, I don't want to see him let loose against Wales, but, you know, from a... Really a new yeah, absolutely. He's a fantastic player, and again, he's another one who could really introduce himself on the world stage and go from being very good to world class. I think he could could be a, a breakthrough player. And as I said earlier, one area they have been weak, not an exaggeration, where they've been weak in the past is at the breakdown in terms of um, winning turnover ball. They've never had a seven like a, a Warburton or a, a you know a Pork up, but they have now in, in Tom Curry, and I think he's going and, and under his great yeah. play as well. So I think England in a good place, but they they can beat the All Blacks, I think, on their day. But the problem they've got, I think England will not want to play Wales in the knockout stages because and there are a few sides that England don't like playing against and Wales are one of them because they're the sort of side that gets, that gets, um, they, they, you know, the Welsh media, I'm part of that, will, will, would really talk, say, say they play Wales in the quarterfinal of the World Cup, which could happen if, if England top a pool and Wales come second yeah. there. And there'd be this whole historic thing there, you know, that they bottled in the Six Nations of 2015 what happened there. You know, what happened in 99 at Wembley when England were supposed to win with 50 points. There's this whole sort of um, pressure, extra pressure that comes when England play Wales. And they, they don't like it. They really don't like it. And I think England are a better team than Wales at their best. But I think in one-off knockout games, Wales are a better team. Um, I know where's my own play in this World Cup, but the point I'm making is in a lot of these tight games where the pressure is on, historically, when you look at this current England team, they are frozen. And that's, that's the, the one thing I, I, um, I am a bit sort of worried about. Oh, I would be worried about how's an English. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I, I think, yeah, I mean? yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, post the, the 2016 Grand Slam, this is kind of Eddie Jones side has failed in some of those big, in some of those, those big pressure games. You know, the, the game against, the game against Wales this year, I think is, is probably the best example of that. And, 
you know, really that was, it was a really weird media battle I felt because I felt almost the, I almost felt like parts of the Welsh media were kind of awarding England the title, whether that was some kind of double ruse to put more pressure on them, but they, they struggled to live up to it and they, they struggled to have a plan B in that game. And that is where Wales have a, and obviously we're going to come on to talk about Wales in just a second, but that's where they have such a, you know, such a strength in their head coach. Warren Gatland yeah. loves these big games. He loves the pressure of it. And he, you know, he more often than not, um, <clears throat> Gets the, uh, gets the better of his, of his opposite number, particularly with, with Northern Hemisphere side. So yeah, I, I completely get what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, as I said, Gatlin's great at winning one-off games, isn't he? He's a great cup coach. Um, Eddie Jones is a great coach as well, mine. But, um, yeah, um, if in, if in get it right, as I said, they got all the tools needed to win a World Cup. I think the top two inches is what will potentially stop them. But, um, yeah, I think they'll, they'll be in the business end of the competition for sure. All right, so you're going England to top the pool and France yeah. to finish second. It's 50-50, uh, but I'll yeah. go France. I'm going to go Argentina just to be the other side of that coin. Right, so let us talk about Pool D, where Wales, uh, where Wales are. Obviously, we've been talking about this for a while. Wales, Australia, Fiji, Georgia and Uruguay. And, you know, for me, talking about 50-50, I, th- I think Wales have to be looking at this and, and have to treat that Australia game as, if not a cup final, then almost a quarter final. Really, I think I think they, not just from you know the the kind of the potential route out of the the quarterfinals, but from a mentality point of view, I think if they're serious about being contenders, they have to win that big fixture that you know the big juicy one that, that's in the pool and it's going to be a very very tough game to win but for me I almost think it's a must-win game for Wales yes um I agree completely with you um forget forget the the, the four warm-up games in August mm. people you know ridiculous things I've read on social media you know go, before then Wales are the best team in the world they're going to win a World Cup and and then, you know, suddenly they lose a couple of games that are not irrelevant, but the results are irrelevant mm-hmm. and people are saying that they're going to struggle, you know. And the reality is Wales are somewhere in between, aren't they? They're, they're a very, very good side, but whether they're quite good enough to beat New Zealand, um, for example, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Um, I, I'd read, you know, might come up short, I think. But when, when you look at Wales, I think losing Anscombe was a big blow yeah. because I think, Dan Bigger is a fantastic player. Let's not underestimate him. Um, but I think Ansk, you know, Reese Patchell is the most talented ten wheels I've got, but I think he's he's a bit um his error rate is a bit too high for Warren Gatton's liking. Yeah. Um whereas obviously um Dan Bigger doesn't make mistakes as either. I think Anscombe was the was in between both of them. Um he could control the game, um, made very few errors. Great, he didn't used to be, but he turned into a great goal kicker. But he was also a player that could just let let his backline play, let let it loose, and he was a good sort of um, in between bigger and patcher. So I think losing him was a significant blow. And I, I also think um, I, I really, really am utterly baffled why their best prop isn't in the squad, um, Rob Evans. I think he was absolutely magnificent in the Six Nations and. If if you'd asked me after the Six Nations who was going to be the Lions props if there was a tour that summer, well, obviously Vunny Polo was injured at the time, but I, I would have you know had him on the bench with Marco starting. You know mm-hmm. that, that's how good he was, really. Um, you know he, he had 
tight furlong a torrid time in a Grand Slam game. He's a he's a brilliant all round player. Um, I I'm, I know he's you know he's been carrying an injury, but I, yeah, I I was baffled by that. And I, you don't you know Gatland makes big calls and he very rarely gets them wrong. So I'm going to trust Gatland, but I am a bit amused that he's decided to take a player who's only started four professional games, a great prospect in Reese Carey ahead yeah. of Rob Evans, who's for me a proven international class player and a future British lion. Well, hopefully, um, so. Um, that that's that's a big call and Wales lack carriers and Rob Evans is a carrier. Um so that that's 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 um a worry for me. Um the scrum the starting scrum, I think Wynne Jones is the be- is that should be starting ahead of Nicky Smith. I think he's the best as Warren Gatlin said, he's the best technical scrummager Wales have got. Mm. Um I think it's a better balance of him starting and then Smith who's better on the park coming on. Thomas Francis is as important to Wales as Ali Wynne Jones and Jonathan Davis. If he goes down, they're, they're, they're going to scrum. They're mm. scrummed in serious trouble. And, and that's, that's going to be key for them. And ha, they, they have to have that, that solidity in the scrum. It was good in the Six Nations, but, you know, he was awful in, in August. But as I said, those, those games are hard to read into. Uh, I think their pack is pretty good, but they, they do lack carriers. They haven't got a Billy Vunipola. They haven't got a, a Pickamall or a Kieran Reid. Farletow mm. is that level, but he's not there. Um, you know, they've got a very good pack, but they, they lack that dimension. Um, and I think behind the scrum, I, I do agree with JJ. I think they do need to score more tries. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got the players to score more tries, but they, they don't play that way, which is why Anscombe being injured is a significant blow. And I think you're right. You know, they, I'm wary of Fiji. I'm really, really wary of Fiji. I know you said earlier that you can't see them bothering Wales or Australia, but I, I, I just got an argument feeling that that's going to be a, a, you know, a, a big banana skin for both sides. But that game against Australia, you're right, um, is um, is a cup final for Wales. It, it really is. They got to win that game for me. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And yeah, look, Fiji, you've always got you've always got to be wary of. But I, I, you know, and, and you know, I think out of the out of the Pacific Island teams, they're they're the best of them. Uh, there again, there is smattering of, of real class in in that in that Fiji side. It's just that, you know, I, I do think that, that Wales will up the intensity when it comes. They won't be taking that game for granted. And I think what, what, what's really helped is since losing to them in 2007, yeah. we've faced them at every World Cup since. Yeah. So I think, you know, obviously you absolutely battered a, a, a very poor Fiji side in, in 11 and a very tough test match only four days after the England game yeah, in 2015. Yeah. Not I, the strongest team either in that game. They did well to win that one in 2015. Yeah. They did, and and I, you know, I, th- I think just what the England game took out of them physically. I was there in Cardiff that day, and you know, you saw players like like Alan Wynne Jones and and Warburton kind of with the, uh, you know, with the uh, hands on their hands on their hands on the hips uh, after 60 minutes, which you don't normally see because I think it, it had taken that much out of them. So, you know, I, I think mentally they'll be they will be fine going into that Fiji game. They won't be taking it for granted. But I think it's a it's a it's a good one and, and the fixtures have been kinder this time around. Uruguay to kind of go on and and talk about them, you know, I I don't think they've got they've got any chance whatsoever of no. of causing an upset and no. you know, really Wales should be able to put out a second a second fifteen to go and beat them comfortably. Yeah. But I, I think that Fiji I mean Australian and Wales should qualify they're far more Professional 
you know, set piece would be better. You know, they're used to playing bigger games, but you look at the individuals Fiji have got and you mm. just know that once in a while when it clicks, they can be tier one nations. And, you know, you've got like Leon in Nakarawa, one of the best locks in the world, let's yeah. be honest, you all know that. Billy Ami Mata, for me, was the best forward in a Pro 14 last year, Edinburgh number eight. Watch out for him if you don't watch the Pro 14 because he's, he is a pretty difficult player to stop, to put it mildly. Um, you know, they, they got some real talent and just throughout their forwards, they got ball handling forwards, really physical players. Um, I, I, naturally, obviously, I'm, I'm behind the scrum and there's some serious talent there as well, but, you know, it's whether they can come together as a team, whether they're disciplined enough. And, you know, if Wales and Australia play well, they they win comfortably. But, you know, you just wonder if Wales lose to Australia last game, who, you know, you'd back them to beat Fiji, but, you, you, you know, you're not going to be sleeping the night before sort of thing. No, so, you're not. Yeah, you're you back Wales, I back Wales uh, to beat them comfortably, but uh, I'm certainly not uh, taking Fiji for granted. I think no. they have very advanced. Yeah, I, I don't think you can. But again, for me, it's one of them where you have to, you kind of have to avoid any of those those pitfalls that we fell into in mm-hmm. 2007, which are very, very different side. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, getting drawn into a fast open game against Fiji is a recipe for disaster because they've got individual brilliance and skill. Yeah. And they won't do that. I no. mean, I'm confident we'll really beat them. I, I'm just... I think Fiji deserve respect, you know. Yeah. I don't think Tonga, for example, with their performances recently, deserve the respect, for example, that Fiji should be given. No, I don't know, they don't. genuinely capable of beating Tier 1 nations. So I think Wales and Australia will beat Fiji, but I don't think um, Fiji should be completely written off. I do think they have a chance in this pool. Not a very high one, but there's a chance. So let's not, I don't think we should be writing them off. Quick word for Georgia, Wales' opening game. And, you know, They've, uh, Mamaka Gorgodza has, has rejoined the squad. Obviously, a, a talismanic figure for Georgia over there. That's his best. It's, uh, desperation. Yeah. yeah, it feels that way, doesn't it? And you kind of wonder, um, you wonder what to expect for them. In a way, it's a good warm up game, for, not warm up, yeah. but you know, it's a, it's a good yeah. opener for Wales ahead of the Australia clash because you know, you'll get all, you know, again, all the cliches apply. You'll get a good working out up front in the scrum and you'll be tested. Uh, you know, your ball carriers will be tested, yeah. but there shouldn't be any fear in, no, in not no. getting a result in that game. No, they should they win that easily. I think their scrum could be under pressure. And obviously a couple of big hits, but we'll be too dynamic, too much, far too fit. They, they win that, uh, they win that with ease, I think. But, uh, you know, this, as you said, the Australia game's the big game. Are they going to win that game? I'm going to ask you a question for once. Do you think Wales will beat Australia? Heart says yes, head says no, I'm afraid yeah, at the I'm moment. The same, um, I'm the same I think we are going to need everything to go in our favour. I'm, I'm hoping to see a bit more, you know, a bit more from Wales. I, you know, I, I often hark back to the past, but that kind of that 2011 campaign was a was a great one. And I know we lost to South Africa in that in that yeah. first game, but they came out and they they should have won that game. And it was really kind of unexpected. And Wales were just playing at an intensity that that, that probably caught South Africa off guard. And that's what I think we're going to need to do. It's going to have to be another level of intensity up and, and I don't think you, you'll you'll have expected to see it in the in the warm-up games 
But that's what that's what Gatlin has done historically very well going into these tournaments is he has got a side incredibly fit and can take take the the intensity up a level. And we're gonna need to do that against Australia. We can't afford to give them lots of ball. We're gonna have to slow it. Yeah. Brilliant in defence. We're gonna have to take our chances when they're there. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and selection's key as well, isn't yeah, it? it is. Um you know you know, people probably don't like me for saying this, but you know, you look at the slowing the ball down. If you want to slow the ball down, you surely have to pick Navidi at the open side, you know? Um, you know, and, and play Tipbrick to his strengths off the bench, last 25 minutes, half hour, when the game's broken up a bit more. I don't see how Wales can leave Arne Wayne right out. I think he, he's another one. But, you know, we've spoken about Tom Curry, Cogna Seeger, um, and Peter Septic. He's another one who could really announce himself mm-hmm. on the world stage, um, in, in this competition. Um, I think Ross probably, Moriarty has to start at eight. Um, but he's I, the only I, eight in that squad, you know. I, I know not really. I know, no, he's not. But I know Navidi can do a job there. But yeah. Moriarty has played enough international rugby at eight to to be selected as as that eight. I think you have to do that. And you know, like I, I, I said on the show last week, I would still stick with Tipperick and, and Navidi in that back row. And yeah, well, Wayne I think one, being the impact player off the bench. Yeah, but I think one thing's certain. I think Navidi has to start. Yeah, he does. Because he does. I'll slow in a ball down. It's a close game, right? We know that, and Wales can win. It's about fifty-fifty. But what makes it what makes Australia favourites to me is Portcock. Mm. That's a game changer, it isn't is. it? Really. Um, and we know what they can do behind the scrum in terms of their backs. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, that's going to be a tight game, isn't it? Wales can win, but I'm going to go Australia win the pool and Wales runner up, unfortunately. All right. Well, yeah, I, I think unfortunately at the moment I'm I'm doing the same. So with all that. What that would leave us with, Steph, is quarterfinals of um, Ireland, top in, top in Pool A, and they would face. In fact, we never said who would uh, who would top B. I mean, I'm, I'm going to. What did What did you say? You said South Africa would beat New Zealand, or New Zealand would top the pool, and, and South Africa beat them in the final. All right. Okay. So yeah. So realistically, then it leaves. If we work on that basis, it leads Ireland versus South Africa and Scotland on on your reckoning um, against New Zealand. And I think they're pretty easy quarterfinals to predict, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, say it again. So Ireland would play... So Ireland would play South Africa and New Zealand would play Scotland. And that's the two Southern Hemisphere sides three for me. Oh, sorry, yeah. New Zealand will win easily. No offence to Scotland. Ireland and South Africa would be tight, but I would back South Africa. Um, but um, we haven't got crystal ball, have we? So. No. And then the other side of the draw that would leave England versus Wales, and it would leave Australia versus. Uh, let's go. With, let's go with your prediction. So Australia versus France. Uh, uh, France could win, but you would say Australia wouldn't fit the. I think Australia would walk that, and Wales, Wales, England is you know again is almost a fifty-fifty. Yeah, well, I. I, I dug myself a serious, seriously deep hole here, and I was said England are going to really challenge to win the World Cup, but I've said that they're going to struggle a beat Wales. So, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know how to answer that question. If that came about, that's what you call a 50-50 game. But, um, you know, when the chips are down, um, you back Atlanta to beat there to Jones, and I would have thought that's yeah. what he's like. But, yeah, um, I, I think so. I don't, know, I don't know. England got a stronger squad, but um, it depends on the injuries as well, doesn't it? You know, if Wales are getting injuries like four years ago, then 
forget about it, I think. But if they're a relatively fit squad, um, you know, they're, they're, Wales are a good cup team, aren't they? You know, yeah, they are. Grand champions for a reason, you know. They won 14 test matches on the trot. You know, can't, can't ignore that, I suppose. Um, yeah, I mean, this may not happen. Hopefully, Wales beat Australia, but um, that would be a titanic. That, 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 that would be phenomenal when Wales against England. I mean, what a bit of that that would be. It would, which would leave Wales against New Zealand in the in the semi-finals and South Africa versus Australia in the other. Do you think Wales would beat England if they played? Oh, I'm going with it. I, I, I'm, I, I, I would be more confident on beating England than I would Australia. Yeah, I would, definitely. And I think I'd be more confident beating South Africa than Australia because Wales traditionally have always... I know it sounds like I'm contradicting myself, but historically Wales have been far better against sides who play Route 1 rugby than sides like Australia who throw the ball around. Yeah. Um, they just seem to struggle in that way. But their defence is so good. and They're a physical side themselves, not as physical as the Springboks, or not as big as the Springboks, but they traditionally have dealt a lot better with teams like that. So, oh, yeah, um, undoubtedly. And, you but, know, particularly, yeah, obviously, particularly in that Sean Edwards era... Yeah. Um, but you know, Australia have individual brilliance that that is able to unlock exactly. that, as they've shown time and time again. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, but we don't know, do we? We haven't got crystal balls, and that's the thing. We do. don't, and this is you know, this is a bit of fun. But yeah, based based on that, I I think you you know your your initial prediction of a New Zealand South Africa final is is uh is, see you know it, it all seems pretty um. Pretty logical right now. Mm. Um, let's quickly finish then, Steph, by having a chat about some of the players who you're really looking forward to watching. Obviously, we've mentioned quite a few of them um, as, as we've been going through. I'd like to throw another one at you, um, and that's Cheslin Colby, South Africa. Oh, yeah. I mean, what a, what a player. Um, in terms of weaknesses, he's not that great in defence. Mm. Let's put that out there. So if he's one-to-one with Cog and Asiga, then uh, you don't want him in your team. But... In terms of being on the front foot, oh, he's, he, you know, he's a bit like Shane Williams, isn't he? Or, yeah. um, he's that type of player. He, he can, he would, he could sidestep you in the form box and you wouldn't lay a hand in. He's just electric. He's a world class finisher. He can just create out of absolutely nothing. He's a, as I said, he's not the best, maybe defensively, the way I said it was a bit wrong. He's not the best one on one tackler, yeah. but he's an intelligent defensive player. He knows he's size wise, he's not going to be the best def- tackler in the world, but he knows where to stand in the fence. That, you know, communication is great. You know, his feet are electric. And yeah, you're right. He's, um, yeah, he could light up this World Cup. I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm, re- I'm really keen to watch those, those, those kind of flair players as always. And, you know, you mentioned Nakarawa earlier and he's just such a, such a joy to watch with his offloads. Then, yeah, they, those for me are players I really, really can't wait to, can't wait to see in action. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of these obviously we've, we've mentioned, but, you know, so, so many, I just keep coming back to that South Africa squad. You know, if we're looking down, I guess more of the, you know, the, the functional players rather than the, than the flair players alongside it. Yeah, someone like, uh, someone like Sia Khaleesi. He just, you know, I know, I know he's, a, he's had injury problems and, and missed out of late, but he, I think he's a, a massively important player to them as yeah. well. And he's, well, it's interesting. It's interesting though when you say Khaleesi, right? Because he, he's, he's their leader, isn't he? He's yeah. like their spiritual leader. Like, um, you know, like Johnson was with England sort of thing. Yeah, but exactly like that. In terms of their strongest back row, does he make it? Because 
you have I I like Francois Lowe, right? Mm. The new one is one of the best eights in the world. Yeah. Some would argue is the best. Uh, and then I I already told you what I think of Peter Steph to tight. So does he make our strongest team? You know, would you be picking him because he's a captain? That's a hell of a selection, Eddie, isn't it? I mean, it is. It's a know. lovely selection, Eddie, to have. I think he'd edge in just ahead of Lowe for me because yeah, he's the captain. If he's fully fit and um and and back to his best, because again, I think you know, like we said, cup rugby. That's where you need. Yeah. That's where you need those leaders. Those because you know those doubts start creeping in. Not that I've ever played any. Uh, any depends. top level rugby, but you know, you you look around for those players who are who are going to reassure the whole side, and I think he's that kind of player. Yeah, but it depends what sort of back row you're up against. You you, you would hundred percent not leave France or Low out if you were playing against Porkock and Hoover, mm. would you? You'd have yeah. to have him there. But if you were playing against Wales, maybe you you know you'd go for the bulk, for example. So um, yeah, but he's he, yeah one of the best captains in the world, I'd say. Anyone else? Any other players? Maybe from uh, you know that, that we haven't mentioned. Are you, you're excited about watching? Lords, isn't it? I mean, we've mentioned a lot and throughout the the show. Um, I think um, from a Welsh perspective, I think Liam Williams is one of the best back three players in the world. He's knocking on the door to be the best full back in the world, in my opinion. With full out of the picture, can you can you name a half? Maybe Ben Smith, right? Mm. Who you would argue. We'd put him in the utility sort of back three back bracket. Yeah. Name me, name me a better full back in world rugby than Liam Williams. Struggling. Well, yeah. I mean, again, do we, you know, do you put Barrett in that bracket? Um, but. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's certainly up there. You know, you said you said earlier on the show, the term world class is used too often. I think I think he is a world class back three player. Certainly. Yeah, from where, you know, Jonathan Davis, probably the best 13 in the world as well. He needs to stand up if they have a good tournament. But I think, um, we all know Arlo and Jones. But I think as well, looking around maybe the, the sort of Northern Hemisphere teams, again, you know, tight furlongs, probably the best tight dead in the world from an Irish perspective. Mm. But there's a couple of French players I really, you know, a Peno on the wing. Yeah. I think potentially world class Entermac as well could really you know say hang on I'm you now I'm an international class player you know watch out for me in four years time I'll be up there with the Barrett and stuff so even you know there'll be players who maybe won't sort of make an impact like your a brutal impact like your sort of fathers etc but will introduce themselves as genuine a genuine threat in the international stage looking ahead to the next four years um so, um, uh, yeah, there are quite a few players, you know, I could go through the whole New Zealand team. Um, Reese Hodge is a player I like from Australia. Really underrated. Doesn't get recognition he deserves because of like Kirky Beal, but yeah. I think he's a seriously intelligent player as well. Uh, watch out for him. Um, yes, yeah, so there's a lot of players. And Isaac Rodder from Australia, lock. Yeah, there's a, there's, yeah, you're right. There, there's, there is so many players to watch and, and the, one of the beauties for the World Cup for me is, is like you've said at certain points, is watching a player step up on the biggest stage. And that's, uh, that's what I can't wait to see, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, like you say, it'd be lovely for it to be a, a Wainwright or someone like that who, who not maybe that many people outside of Wales have, have come into contact with before. It'd be lovely to watch, you know, there is, there's always examples of these players who are maybe not even that experienced at, at test rugby and they make their, they make their name on the biggest stage. And, and, uh, I, I don't know, that's, that's part of what makes the World Cup so exciting for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, 
you know, it would be nice to have an upset in it, Japan going through, maybe. Yeah, well... Uh, usually I'd say Fiji, but, you know, hopefully not. Hopefully, hopefully not. Yeah, let's well, hope... Let's Australia go up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Let's, uh, yeah, let's hope uh, it, it is Japan and they can cause an upset and they get it all underway this Friday. We're going to be producing loads and loads of content uh, throughout Rugby World Cup 2019 and can't wait to bring you that. Uh, before all of that, before the, the tournament kicks off, we got our special with Sam Warburton, which will be coming out uh, on Friday to coincide with the start of the tournament, so can't wait to bring you that. Uh, But yeah, stay tuned to the Attacking Scrum because we'll be bringing you loads more rugby very, very soon.